Welcome to the moment that changed everything, where we interview notable creative people to gain insights into how they got started and learn more about the moments that shaped them and their careers. Today, we sit down with Elma Karabegovic. It's giving the space to make mistakes. That's the only way you actually learn. If you're getting everything right, then it's like, you're not learning, that's something you already know. Rather than sort of saying this is bad, it's just more of like giving us the space to fail. And failure is, I believe, everyone's best friend. That's how we learn, that's how we get better. Elma is currently an Associate Creative Director at FCB in Toronto and has held senior creative positions at agencies such as Ogilvy & Mather and Juniper Park. In this episode, we learn about her move from war-torn Bosnia to Canada what it's like to overcome being a new Canadian while getting a start in the ad biz, and how having an egalitarian attitude has served her well throughout her career. Honestly, she's a legit role model for anyone. Elma. Hi. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank I'm you. not going to even say your last name because I, uh, you, 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 you freaked me out. You said say it with anger and I can't say oh, Karabegov Karabegovic. 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 I like it's simple. It's simple. I know. I'm going to have to channel Dracula if I'm going to say it like you just did. <laughs> Kerobegovic. A little bit. Actually, pretty good. It's not bad. Well, it's not bad. I'll well, take we're it. not here to just talk about your name. Of course, we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about your career in advertising. I'm, we're going to cover a bunch of topics today, um, not the least of which is, you know, your role as a successful female art director in the world of advertising, which can be kind of a male-dominated zone, because I, I want to get your experience as it relates to that. And also, I mean, not just as a mentor for, for young women getting into this business, young men for that matter, so we're going to get into some of that. But I thought I'd start with, I know you went to OCAD for design, mm -hmm. but I also know you're not from here. So let's, mm -hmm. maybe we'll go even further back and kind of go, so where are you from? I'm from Bosnia. Bosnia. Yes, but okay. it's, like, it's a complicated background. It used to be former Yugoslavia. I was right. actually born in Macedonia, but the Macedonians don't want, want anything to do with me, really. So I'm Bosnian, but even they don't really want... So anyway, I'm Canadian now. <laughs> okay, and Macedonia, like, so Macedonia, I always pronounce it that way, which but is it? You can pronounce it Macedonia. I can pronounce it the wrong way. That's the subtext of that, right? Yeah, I well, know that people get mad at other people for pronouncing, you know, like Barcelona. It's like, you're oh, okay. not from there. You don't, you <laughs> don't okay. have to say that, you know? Right. No, I can't, I call it Macedonia because I'm, I was, I lived there and that's, it's just really strange for me to say Macedonia. Yeah. Well, I, my, my only memory of that is that I had a, a very good friend who was Greek and the Greeks and the Macedonians don't really get along. And his no. big, his big thing was, he goes, they don't even have an alphabet. That was his big dig on Macedonia. What? But, but of course they have an alphabet. Do they? I don't know. I just believed them. So that's how silly well, I am. Well, there are two. Like, there's the Cyrillic and the Latin alphabet, and I know both. So, okay. yeah, they only have the Cyrillic in a way, the Greek Cyrillic. Uh, I know two, so. Right, there you go. So you, 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 do, you clash with uh, not only Serbians, but also. No, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't want to clash with anybody, to be honest. But, yeah. uh, no, there's obviously, like, uh, I feel like, what did Vanya say? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, you, well, it, I mean, I, I know one Serbian, and so, and, you know, and he, of course, had some strong opinions and stuff, but we didn't talk about it that much. Oh, no. Um, but I know that Everyone, there's some history. Listen, we're Balkan. We all have strong opinions about everything. Right. Honestly, you bring up, like, milk, we're going to have a strong opinion about it, for sure. So, um, no, but, you know, like, <clears throat> it's funny, there was, like, a Greek... Uh, 
cheese guy in Toronto that grabbed me by the throat because he was like so mad. I don't think he meant it in a bad way, and I certainly was like, "What do you think you're doing?" I mean, there's to, to be to be quite totally honest. There's only one other way to grab someone's throat that isn't um, that isn't that isn't assault. But, no, um, you have to know the Balkans, yeah. though. Like I knew what he was trying to do and say, mm-hmm. but if anybody was watching that, they would have called nine one one. But I was just kind of like, "Buddy, what do you think you're doing?" Like, get your hand off my throat. But it was just over the fact that I was, like, I was born in Macedonia, and, like, he's mm-hmm. Greek, and he's like, I own you. And I was like, no, you don't. Oh, my God. Wow, and that's then, a of hell course, of, a of course, in the cheese emporium. Anyway. <laughs> well, I know that um, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about your career and stuff like that. And, and now you've noted that um, you have you have an approach that I'm sure it's it's, like, in everyday life, but it also spills into your career, which is um, that you you shoot from the hip and um, yes. and you treat everyone the same. Yes. And um, so, I guess what I'm asking is, when he grabbed your throat, did you say something incendiary, or he was no. just that type of person? I think he was that kind of yeah. person. I mean, I think a lot of people, if you ask them when we kind of converse, they would say, it's like, no, Elma definitely said something. Um, no, <laughs> I stood my ground, and he stood his, and. He never, I know, like, you know, you have to know people's intent, mm-hmm. right? You can't just jump at people's um, first reaction to something. Uh, you have to kind of look at their intent and, uh, and know that there is no danger there. And if you have to educate somebody, then that's your opportunity to educate. But jumping and reacting to something right away is not the right way to do it, mm-hmm. I think. So mm-hmm. I just kind of stayed calm because I knew that he was not meaning anything by it. Right. Um, and then, yeah, of course, like, she's just kind of like, ha, 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 get out of here, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all a joke. Okay, so you're, so um, how did you get into design? You Like, as I said, you went to OCAD for design. So, mm-hmm. but like, what led up to that, that point? <laughs> okay, so I went to Central Peel Secondary School in Brampton. Mm. <laughs> um, but so I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer. I um, had the grades for it, uh, but then I had really bad vision. So then I was thinking, like, I know a lot of people look at being a lawyer as like, oh, it's like the fun part of going up in court and debating and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is you're actually reading a lot and really small text and your life is just basically reading and stressing your eyes and I had really bad eyesight at the time so I was like okay well practically this won't this won't do um so I gave up on being a lawyer and then being a doctor I'd gone through a few um breaks and dislocations and everything and I was like oh man it's not that I can't do it it's just that like it would make me cry to see people in pain every day so I just gave up on that and I was like what do I have left um and I'm an I'm a realist painter and artist and so Mm. but my I when I talked to my father about it he was like well I'm not supporting you being an artist starving artist (laughs) so figure it out um so I went to my guidance counselor and I was like, okay, look, this is my issue. You know, I, I kind of laid it all out mm-hmm. and um, he said, okay, well, here's this really thick book of, um, you know, the guidance counselor book of like careers. And he gave it to me and I was like, are you out of your mind? Like I had just, I had to read Atlas Shrugged. Oh my God, don't ever do it. I had to, cause I thought I could win a scholarship or something. That's another like thing. It's like, where, where can you win scholarships? But she gave me another book this thick and I was like, no. So I opened the first page and I literally went down and I was like, advertising, I'll just do that. 
that's exactly how I chose it because wow. I was like, I'll figure it out. I just not going to go through this whole book. This is crazy. Well, it's interesting you bring it up. We had another guest on Chris Hirsch and he talked about the guidance counselor too, which I can't believe it has come up twice actually because <laughs> I know when I was in high school and stuff, the guidance counselor just looked, I think for a period of time, I actually thought I would like to be a guidance counselor, not because I wanted to guide people, but because I wanted a job where no one expected anything of me because <laughs> that my general, I'm, oh my gosh, if anyone's a guidance counselor and listening to that, that's a horrible that's thing to say. Funny. But I just felt like they were kind of non-existent in, in the academic my academic career um mm. but it's interesting that there's a, a book of jobs and you just scanned the book of, of 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 jobs and found that this job i barely scanned the book of jobs right. yeah advertising is what like 10th down the line um but i just you, never thought about it and, but you clearly had a, an interest in design uh, and, yes. and art i wanted to do i guess i wanted to do something with what i knew right because at the end of the day I knew I can fall back on that in some respect. Mm -hmm. I didn't want up to be a painter because um, that's something I did for myself mm -hmm. and I didn't want that to become a job. Uh, but then when I saw art director, I was like, I knew something in advertising, but then when I saw art director and um, I went to OCAD and even OCAD, like I didn't have a fallback plan. Mm -hmm. I was like, what's the best OCAD? Okay, I'll just do that. Like, and then I prepared a portfolio in very short amount. I think I prepared a portfolio in a week and a half. I did a painting, two paintings. It was I, it was really ambitious, but I went in with um, with a fine art portfolio, mm -hmm. and even with that, like the guys who looked at it, they're like, "You should be in the art stream," and I was like, "No, I want to be in the design stream." And he's like, "But you don't know, you don't have anything in here having to do with advertising." And mm -hmm. I was like, "Isn't that your job to teach me?" Right. And then they gave me the scholarship too. They're just <laughs> like they didn't care because I was like so ballsy in the room, like. I was just like, this is what I want. Why are you creating problems for me getting it? You know, well, like it just didn't make any sense to me. Well, and I think when you think about that time for most people, uh, that time in their lives, they're trying to make their way. And at the same time, you're new to the country. So what was, what's that, ex that's, what's that experience? I mean, aren't it, Being new to the country or? Well, being in that period of your, of your life, trying to find a pathway to a career and also learning new things in a new country well I mean that I was learning new things all the time like I you have to understand I didn't I didn't know what was um you know like I didn't have a cultural background in North America so mm -hmm. I had to teach that myself like my parents were kind of they had their own problems right they had to work and figure out that so I had to teach myself everything else like music you know just I taught myself to look you know you hear something and you're like what is that and then you find out it's the Beatles and you're like okay that's cool what's this and like I found out that I really liked heavy metal <laughs> and right. then like you find out you find these things out as you go but it's mm -hmm. really interesting to sort look find that out for yourself and not really have a guide mm -hmm. um, and then even having to come in into school and everything you know like English class was difficult because some things don't come naturally and sometimes I lose the English word right and I only have the Bosnian word stuck in my head and it's right. like oh like how do I get through this conversation because now for some reason my brain is switching to Bosnian but it's just something that I think all immigrants have to go through mm -hmm. and it's hard not just learning a language but a lot of times even in English like 
slang is used more than the actual regular word. So it, there's a lot of issues there. Yeah, I mean, when I mean, you think about advertising and how much of it uh, is cultural reference. Mm -hmm. um, so to not be in, in entirely immersed in that and then still being able to operate in that arena, I mean, that adds a whole other wrinkle. It's kind of like learning, you know, they say about learning a new language, mm -hmm. you really know you have it when you can start to tell jokes. Yes. Right? And that's when you really kind of, if you've hit a stride, because you know, so I guess in advertising with so many cultural references, that adds a whole other layer of, layer of difficulty. It did does. you find it, even in creating your portfolio, did you find that difficult? Which portfolio? The one going out to of OCAD? OCAD? Yeah. Out of OCAD, actually, that's, um, I actually threw out my entire portfolio in OCAD um, because I really needed to win the, the scholarship for the fourth year with Draft FCB and Leo Burnett. Mm -hmm. So I saw my competition and we all had the same stuff. So in that respect, we actually were being guided by our instructors to be like, this is your brief, this is what you're going to make, like mm -hmm. these are your ads or whatever. But then if you're going to win that scholarship, how are you going to stand out from those people? So I threw all of that stuff out and I started looking at what's in the, like I start, I got my hands on, you know, like the um, Lurzer's archives and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there are patterns there. So I just picked up on that and yeah, I won that. Like I, that's, you know, that's how I got into advertising because I knew that I had no one to fall back on. I didn't have any connections. Here's this ESL woman who's, you know, like really hot headed and she knows art, but she doesn't know about much of anything else. So it's like, you know, building, you have to figure out a way to stand out and how to make yourself valuable. Um, you have to create value for yourself. And I knew from then on that it's like, I'm willing to throw everything away in order to stand out and win. And, um, and that's kind of how I started. So it's, it's more about, for me, was uh, honestly just looking at patterns. Mm. Like, this is what other people are doing. Is it good? A little bit. It could be better. What can I do? Okay, I'm going to do that. You know, like, it's, it's about that. Like, I think it's more of, like, the survival spirit of the, of the immigrants. Yeah. Well, I, it, it sounds as though that that would definitely inform uh, how you approached your, your career and and were your parents i mean if if you talk to your parents about maybe being a doctor and a lawyer there's that cliche where it's like oh yes well i'd love to support you in doing that so when you did go down that path was it like uh when you say i had my, you know i i didn't have anybody to fall back on was that is that a reference to your even your your family no 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 my okay. family is honestly like i think that's one of the reasons why i'm like Thank God. Yeah. So, you know, hot-headed and everything because I was allowed to be and they support that aspect of me. I think it has actually um, more to do with, it's like, look, the reality is, Elma, you know, you can't have everything and we can only help you so much. So you have to be able to stand on your own two feet. What are you going to do? Mm. Right. And it's, they were actually like, if you, you know, even to be a doctor or a lawyer, for them, it actually makes no sense because they would immediately say, well, hold on, how much school is that? No, do something else. Like mm -hmm. for them, it's like, how do you get out of it, get more out of it than what you put in? So it makes sense. You know what I mean? For you to do that. Right. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of fall back on, it's like if you, if you don't have many people in advertising to, to get in with, it's really hard, mm -hmm. you know, like in my friends, or I keep interrupting. I feel like you want to say something. No, no, <laughs> no, this is me. This is me, um, you know, not trying to interrupt what you're talking about because because, you know, the underpinning of this show is that to show that young, younger creative people can get involved in the business, but that it's not always a straight line. And, no. and trying to bring guests on that have some diversity in terms of their, their experience. Mm -hmm. And it sounds as though, I mean, you have a great story as it relates to 
um, that experience. And we haven't even gotten to the point of, of talking about what it's like to start in this career as a, as a woman and not seeing a lot of that. I mean, my experience was quite unique in that my first, my first job in advertising, I was hired by Jane Pritchard. Mm -hmm. Jane Pritchard was an anomaly at the time. Mm -hmm. And she was the creative director at YNR but at, at the time. And um, I would say there was like almost a hundred, she was, she was the creative director for like 100% of a male uh, department, which mm -hmm. was, which is really rare. So, but my experience, I don't think is is that common. I think uh, I think it's more common that you are working under you know um, male um, CDs and um, mm -hmm. higher ranking. So, what was that? What was it like for you coming out of OCAD? And you know, what was your where was your first job? Where did you work? I worked at Draft FCB. Okay. I won the scholarship in my third year, so I did school full time, and I worked there. If you added up the hours, it was full time. Um, so I was an intern there for a year, paid internship, which is rare. It was rare then. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, then it was, and you're right, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, primarily uh, male dominated. Um, and there was one female creative director, but she had her own, like we never kind of crossed paths, like mm -hmm. Mary, like she was amazing. Um, was truly kind, wonderful woman, really talented. Uh, she's a writer. And, uh, but we never really crossed paths. Like we never really worked together. But yeah, it was, uh, the thing is, <clears throat> I think it's, it's not that hard if you kind of feel like, okay, I have to be a tomboy now, mm -hmm. right? Like you kind of have to, the jokes that are being made, you kind of have to, you're in or you're out. And you know, even no matter how hard I tried in some respects, like sometimes I wasn't invited to things, you know, they're right. like, oh, it's just guy's night or something. It's like guy's night when there's like literally one girl left and that's me, right? It's like, you know, going, everyone's going for drinks. It's like, oh, we didn't think you're going to want to come because it's guy's night. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. Right. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. And that was just kind of the, the reality at the time. Like it's no longer the case and I'm thankful for that. Right. But even, you know, there's certain things, there's like now, where, like what I, what I see young women wear to the office, if I wore anything like that, I would be called out right away. And it's like, now I'm like, I support it fully, whatever they want to wear, however they want to express themselves, I never want them to feel that mm. they can't wear something. But for me, it was a very different story. I mean, uh, yeah, and I, I think it was something that I never had to deal with, but I had Jana Peck on the show, um, fairly recently and she talked about that because we actually worked in, in in the same agency at the same time it never really occurred to me but she she did you know recall a time where you know the creative director is walking down the hallway and he's high-fiving all the teams as he goes by and then of course it gets to Jana and it's like oh uh, you know am I gonna high-five this woman and is that appropriate or <laughs> I don't think he even thought about it but it was certainly yeah. certainly something I didn't have to deal with but a big part of um you know, for young people who want to get involved in advertising and working in departments, of course, there's going to be that interpersonal thing. And there's going to be this, you know, you want a sense of belonging. So that must have been completely, you know, that must have been a whole other thing for you. Yeah, but you know, I have my I, own methods of dealing with it. None of them, not all of them are healthy. <laughs> but, um, and right. you know, it is, it is what it is, you know, like, and I have to say, like, you know, a lot has changed and I've changed since I was a junior, you know, I was way more fiery back then too, which is why I guess why I didn't, I didn't want it to bother me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I developed like a really like icy exterior and everything like that, because, you know, you have to have self-preservation 
And, you know, at any point, somebody could say, it's like, you know what, I don't like Elma, like, get rid of her. And then what am I going to do? Mm. Right? Like, you kind of have to, you kind of have to find your place. And yeah. I think I found my place at Draft SCB before I left for London. But um, it ended up, like, it honestly felt like a family. Um, but yeah, like now I'm just, I'm just glad I do, you know what it is. I really don't want women to have to go through the things I went through. I kind of want to like wherever I work, I want to make sure that they feel like that's not even an issue. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like them being a woman or not, I don't even want that to be an issue. That's so passe. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's really what it's, what it's about. Like figure it out, but I'm hoping that you don't have to go through everything. Not like it was, it wasn't awful, awful, Mm -hmm. but it definitely isn't doesn't feel the greatest to be the only feel one like of a, anything on the outside a little bit. Yeah. No matter who you are. Yeah. You know? I think, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to revisit this, um, uh, with another question, but, um, um, I want to get to who showed you the ropes and who took you under their wing and who was your mentor mm-hmm. and why? Sure. Um, it was, so I got in when the recession hit, Um, and, uh, so that was kind of even tough to get hired at that time. So I got hired by, uh, draft FCB as a junior art director and, um, it was tough for a little bit. I'm going to get to your point. I'm just like Mm -hmm. preamble. So I just want to let people know it can really get tough and there's, they can be certain creative directors that don't see potential in you. And that was the case for me. Mm. Um, there was a creative director that I worked under that just, it was not good. It was, um, like it was, it was it was bad. I'm not going to get into it, but it was, right. yeah. Like, and then I think he was campaigning for me to get like, go. And then, um, and then my mentor, Jeff, um, who's currently my, e- my CCO, uh, I went back to draft FCB now, but, um, he was my mentor and you know, him, he basically, him and Mark Fitzgerald took us under their wing and they were like, no, like we're give them to us. And, under them, we flourished. Mm. And I guess if I'm gonna say one thing to young people is you're not, you might not be as bad as you think you are. Maybe you don't have the right mentor. Maybe somebody doesn't really have your back. Like, what, don't fight to stay in a place that is treating you badly. Go find a place where you can flourish and mm-hmm. make mistakes and not be yelled at for no reason or whatever, right? It's not important. That's not good enough, right? right. You have to find something that's better. So under Jeff, Jeff and Mark, but really Jeff because he's the art director. Mm -hmm. Um, He just really allowed us to make mistakes and there's a lot of mistakes, right? Like you have to go through it. Um, And he he always asked us for our thoughts um, and he always asked us for our records and he challenged us whenever we kind of couldn't agree as partners because that's your job, right? Like you Mm -hmm. have to figure out what your rationale is and what you really want to sell. And oftentimes we would just kind of like say, Jeff, you figure it out. And then he'd be like, no, no, this is what your job is. Figure it out. Right. Yeah. So um, he was just an incredible leader. And now he's the CCO and like rightly deserved. Obviously, he was he's with Nancy, but like Jeff and I have such a history. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really kind of like the, the mentor, the best mentor I could have asked for. Without him, I honestly don't know where I would be today. Right. Him and Mark as well. Um, so that was really amazing. And now he's my, I, the reason I went back to FCB is because I, I felt I was lacking some leadership skills. It's one thing to be a really good creative, but it's another thing to be a leader and they're very different. Um, so I went back to FCB the second go around just so I can be around good, really good leaders and learn, you know, fill in the gaps. Yeah, well, it, it is a it's a it's a good point that you've just made because as you ascend in your career, you're going to be in those positions where you are then taking the reins, 
and mm -hmm. mentoring other young people. And that in the critique of creative is a much different skill set than it is to create work itself. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, uh, and yet, it's so so important for you to just, to self critique as a as a as a, a young mm -hmm. creative because yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to have to sell the work, and you can't just sell it on subjectivity. You have to be able to sell it on the strategic reasons why the creative exists. Yes. So, how has it been for you to to make that transition from a creator to also someone who critiques work and helps younger teams? Um, it depends on the project, really, mm -hmm. but it's been. It's an adjustment, right? Because I know what I'm capable of, and I know where my my like strengths and weaknesses lie. Um, when you're dealing with um, when you're mentoring younger people, you they don't know yet what they're what they can fully do. So it's sort of like it takes it takes a lot for me to step back and sort of say this can be better. I don't think that's, I don't like that mm. feedback. It's, that means nothing. Like, what does that mean? Oh, keep going. That's not feedback, right? It's like, you're just spinning people's wheels. Like they're shooting in the dark. That's not cool. That's right. Because I didn't like that myself. So if, like, I really, um, I think a lot more about what I want to say, because number one, I want to make sure that they're motivated. And number two, um, I want to make sure that I'm not asking more than they can do right. because it's not fair to ask a junior to do a senior levels, a level of work, then they would be senior. Right. right? Um, so it's, it, it, I think it's, it's in some ways it's easy to just be like, Oh, you know what? Um, this can be, um, make, you know, make this blue and make the headline bigger. And I think it'll really bring it together. Um, and, uh, and so in some respects that's easy, but when it comes to concept, it's hard. But then in some respects, I'm like, oh man, it'll be a lot easier if I just do it. Right. Right. So, but that's not your role anymore. You have to just nurture. Yeah. Right? I, it's, I mean, you can, the, the parenthood analogy is, is, is a good one as it relates to even just, you know, to being a creative director. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that the best creative directors that I ever had were the ones who didn't show you the answer, but tried to, to, to guide you in, in a way. And, and I think the work got better because it, um, you, you felt like it was your own. Because yes. I think we've all experienced that where someone maybe takes your idea, does make it better, but you wish that they didn't actually execute it because yes. then you feel like it's not yours anymore. I, absolutely. And I'm, I, I don't know if everyone's this way, but for me, it's like nothing is in my book. Like there's some things that I helped out on, but mm -hmm. I truly don't believe I did it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't mind helping, but it's not my idea. If it's not my idea, it's not my book. Like anything that's in my book is mine. Yeah. And I can like definitely say that it is mine. Um, but for, I just, I don't like slash weasels. I don't know. It's like, it's an old, <laughs> old term. Yeah, I do. I um, do recall. No, but there's some people that truly do help, and if you make a meaningful difference, you will get a credit. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of. Uh, it, I find what I'm finding now is that some, they, you know, in an effort to help people win awards, they'll slash them. Mm -hmm. But you haven't given them anything more than here's an award that they could potentially get maybe a 10k raise with. They haven't learned anything. Yeah. Right. So um, I agree with you that a lot of times, like you know, somebody else executes it and here's a slash. You know, sure. you got something out of it, except you didn't. Right. Right. You right. didn't get anything out of it. Well, and I know that there's perceptions out there that even, you know, if if that if there's a if there's an author on the work that has won previously too, and you're 
on the tail end of that, I think most people will probably look at it and give the credit to that person anyway, even despite the fact that you might have been involved. I see yeah. a lot of that on LinkedIn. I feel like there's yeah. a lot of people who kind of come out and sort of say, hey, I was freelancing there and I did this work and it's now winning everywhere. And they're always they're kind of making that point that it's like, but I was involved in that because as you know, as a freelancer, you can fly in and work on stuff and then you're out and you don't necessarily get the credit. I I'm very um rigid about when it comes to credit. Mm -hmm. I give credit where credit is due. Right. And I have heard of those stories and I'm, I know about them. I don't know them obviously fully because it wasn't there, but mm -hmm. um, if somebody's idea was the idea, that's how they get paid, right? You cannot take someone's name off of the credits list mm -hmm. because if they created a Grand Prix work, even though they're a freelancer, they really should be credited with the work correctly and maybe it's the way that we look at credits to begin with like maybe the credits need to be more of like you know maybe somebody just kind of helped out a little bit so maybe those are like the others or something or like you know in some minor way maybe there's minor role credit and then there's people who actually help develop the idea there has to be a way to distinguish that but you can't i would actually sue for that if i was a freelancer and i i honestly i, I because think about it like the way that you get um hired is by the awards you win right? Because that's the system that we created for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, if a freelancer, for whatever reason, they're a freelancer and they come in and they crack it. And then all of a sudden the agency's like, okay, cool. Bye. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like, so now the agency get wins a Grand Prix. They, you know, they can hire whoever they want. You know, they have all kinds of freedoms that a Grand Prix gets you, right? Including, you know, new business, what have you. Well, now if the freelancer didn't get the credit for it, that freelancer, you know, freelancers can't really be putting stuff in their book all the time. Oftentimes they're just in there to like do some quick emergency thing and they get out. Sure. So this is their opportunity to get something and sort of saying, I'm still relevant because that's our industry, right? They're, we're always sort of saying, oh, this guy's like a dinosaur. This guy. We're so easy to write people off mm -hmm. that it's like, you cannot just like, this is somebody's ideas. Like you're paying them for the idea. So credit him, him or her accordingly. Um, and I fight for those things tooth and nail. Well, it's, in, it's an interesting subject because I think uh, particularly when you get into, say, pitch scenarios, um, I can see the reluctance from agencies because there's always that thing where clients want to see the work that's being created. And if they're signing up for an agency, they want to know that that's the personnel that they're going to be working with. Mm -hmm. And yet... It's not always the case. And that's not always the case. <laughs> no. And it's that sort of, you know, by publicly publicly um, giving credit where credit is due, mm -hmm. there is that there is that trying to manage it all because, you know, if the work did lead to winning the pitch... You know, clients don't want that bait and switch thing that can kind of sometimes happen where, mm -hmm. you know, the ideas that were authored, you know, were brought in. You must have that at your place, right? Like, do you find yourself, I think, I guess, I guess the, the business has changed a little bit in that regard. And, and I don't know if it has to do with um, the, the, the AOR um, world has changed a little mm -hmm. bit. A you lot. Have far more clients are now who are just going on a project per project mm -hmm. basis. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that impacts um, the hiring of freelance staff in order to secure work or to maintain work. I imagine it has changed it a little bit. If if the world has gone more to a project per project, it's almost like everybody's freelance. Well, in I don't think we care about giving um, the, our clients the best possible ideas they can that they can that they need and mm -hmm. they can get um however we get to that is 
not their problem. They're paying for it and they we want them to be successful in business mm -hmm. and we want to be successful. So whatever tools we need, we're going to get those tools. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think we're, I think what you're saying, everything's changing. Um, I think it's all going towards that anyway. I actually personally believe there's going to be a lot more individual contractors than what we even have today. A lot of the freelancers, think about how top heavy some agencies are and how much you have to pay for that. The more you go into project by project basis, a lot of people are going to, you know, get let go for somebody younger who will accept a lower paying salary, mm -hmm. right? Like, or sorry, role. So um, everything is going that way. But I think you have to, I, the way I look at creatives and this is like, this might be just, you know, a little bit pra too practical is like, look, you need everybody in your agency from the person who cleans the toilets to your CEO. Everyone has a role and it's important. They're all a tool in a way. They all have a purpose, right? So if you needed a wrench for the time being to go get that wrench and then like, you don't, you don't need any more, bring it back or whatever. So, um, but you can't, you know, you can't always have, you know, you, your Grand Prix winning creatives, like those people are going to get bored. You can't, you need to have everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's, and these are people too, right? Like, and ideas are sometimes dependent on insights. So maybe one person, this freelancer might have the specific insight that will crack it why wouldn't you want to give yourself the best leg up you can, right? And just give this person the money and the credit that they deserve. Sure. That's it. It's all headed that way anyway. I don't know why we're being so fussy about it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess w with every industry that when there's a straddling or when there are, there are trends at play, there's going to be that tipping point where things become um, reality and mm -hmm. everyone gets on board and everything. And then there's some resistance as it, as it goes that way. But it certainly seems that way that um, the, the, the old AOR kind mm -hmm. of way of things uh, seems to be going by the wayside. And you see a lot of internal departments happening. I mean, if you look at the big banks, mm -hmm. have all staffed up with um, ex-agency people mm -hmm. who now have internal departments. So uh, definitely seems to be, definitely seems to be the reality. Well, the one thing I always say is uh, the best thing that ever happened to us was that Pepsi commercial. That, uh, that Kendall Jenner commercial. Okay. That was truly the best thing that ever happened to agencies mm -hmm. because um, you, of course, you know, you can get your own director. You're in a, your client, you're like, okay, well, the agency costs so much. It's sure. like, you have to understand what the value is. It's not about how much it costs. It's what the value is of that agency that it brings to you. Mm -hmm. They have speci specific people, specific strategy and accounts and creatives that can bring your brand to life. Now you could potentially do it yourself. Of course you can. You can also build your own house. Right? Why do you get a contract? You want to make sure that your foundation is strong so then that way you can continue because even brands are changing. Like I, I really hope that we're going to change environmental laws and that you know, like Coca-Cola and Pepsi and all these people are going to have to figure out a way to still have their product and not damage our, our society and our world. Yeah. It's all headed that way anyway. I think the big thing is that um, the left part of your brain, it makes a lot, you, you tick a lot of boxes in terms of, the, of its practicality. But mm -hmm. the other thing that I think will happen, and this is where, um, you know, internal departments are going to have to figure this out, is is not just creatively burning out. It is that yes, the more time you spend on a particular subject, the deeper your knowledge of that subject. Um, but at the same time, something else creeps into that experience, and what creeps mm -hmm. into that experience is that. You take the, it's not fresh anymore, and you take those things for granted. And in some cases, you even assume that the audience knows the, the, the depth of knowledge that you do about that subject. I think 
the more competitive market seems to create better work because you know you don't ha you're not affixed to this one subject you're kind of you have to keep things fresh because you're moving across a whole different um, number of things across a portfolio instead of being an internal department where all of your work is one thing. Yes. So this is something that I think that um, I remember talking to someone about this is that it ebbs and flows. You're going to have periods of time where there are going to be more internal departments that are created and then that seems to crumble away because the work maybe starts to suffer mm -hmm. and then they start to go outside for the work again. Mm -hmm. And this kind of happens back and forth. Whether or not we're now into this period of time where no internal departments are going to stick where they are is, uh, I guess, remains to be seen. But it seems mm -hmm. as though the competitiveness of, of agencies, different agencies competing for the work, I would think creates better work. It does create better work. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like they hire so many different kinds of people from artists to, you know, sometimes it's like industrial design people that decided to change careers. Like there's so many different kinds of people in an agency setting. I mean, maybe there's like a solution there that's more of like, you know, some things you do internally, you know, um, especially your own like HR videos or what have you. Cause sometimes mm -hmm. that even comes to the agencies. Like, why are we making your HR videos? Right. You know, sure. Thank you for the revenue. But like there's, you know, maybe you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, but so maybe it's a little bit, you know, it's a little, a little bit, bit split, like for your brand. I think it's really hard to create your own brand because you're too close to yourself. You need someone else to kind of like come in and tell you, Ooh, actually, that's actually not where you, th you're actually not where you right. think you are. You're actually over here. Right. Yeah. Um, and also like agency people are like nuts about creativity, right? Like they really want to do a lot of, interesting new work and, you know, keep pushing design and keep pushing, you know, how content is made and what content says and everything. So I think if you're just kind of in your own little world, in your own little bubble, it's really hard to evolve. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, you know, maybe uh, I want to segue from that into the, the other question I wanted to ask you about um, working in a predominantly male um, industry is that I can remember, I remember when I worked in New York, it, you know, the big joke was here we are in this little island and we're creating this work that is meant for everybody in the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you were, uh, whether or not you could dig into the, the real insights that come from the majority of the people who are buying the product or service. Mm -hmm. And then when we go, we can then rack focus and come back to the nature of men and women and you know, for such a long period of time, you had a bunch of men creating advertising that was directed at households that were um, by and large led by women in terms of the consuming products and stuff like that. And yet they did it. And there was a lot of successful campaigns that mm -hmm. have done that. And I, even in my career, I've found that um, some of those categories are the toughest. I can remember working on cosmetics. That was that was scary for me. That was also, I also had that trepidation of kind of going, I know I got to start with a deep insight or try to get to an insight. Um, but I, I know so little about this subject. And of course you do what every, you know, creator, people who create advertising do is you go talk to people, you go talk to women, you listen to them, you try to, you take their verbatims and then you try to get beyond that and mm -hmm. get to the real insights. But now we have, uh, far more women in the industry, and I'm sure you're going to find yourself uh, creating advertising that is the domain of of, of men. Um, do you think there's a difference? Um, in terms of the way that we speak to some people, yes. Mm -hmm. But 
I've just been like we talked earlier, the one of the only women in a creative department, you kind of just have to figure it out and do both. And I, I didn't find it that hard because I was constantly surrounded by men. Mm -hmm. I know their jokes. I was a tomboy. I most of my close friends growing up were boys. I actually had trouble connecting with girls. Mm. And, uh, and you know, when you come into the advertising, it's so masculine. It's, it's kind of easy to accept that persona and do something, you know, whether it's automotive mm -hmm. or sports or whatever. Um, I actually still have a hard time with sports just because it's like, there's certain sports I really know, like sure. basketball and there's certain things like, I just don't really know like hockey right. um and i think something will come along they'll be like okay alma this is the time you have to learn all about <laughs> hockey and it's, it's funny that way you know that um you know we become like i think i think chris might have said this like i think i, I watched this, his version of it but it's like we become these weird experts on small things right. right and i wouldn't say that i understand men fully but i for whatever i'm trying to do whether it's like shaving cream or what have you i will go into it so deep right. it's crazy and what's crazy i actually love reading the comments in all YouTube videos mm -hmm. and any like any comments on anything, no matter how horrible they are, I read them all because people are giving you free information, mm -hmm. right? Especially when we did the Project Consent campaign. It's like, how do people think? Okay, well, I read all of the comments, man. It was gross. <laughs> I read them all, but it's like people are giving you free information, like anywhere you can take it to build an insight take it it's you know especially if it's free right you don't have to go around and research and what right. have you um but in in terms of what i actually see happening now now that um there's more women in advertising what i'm finding is that now we're getting pigeonholed into it's like okay do we have our female creative team okay cool they can do that body wash for women right. they could do whatever so it's like the guys end up having you know some bigger you know big budgets to do a cool thing and then women are like okay well it's a beauty ad right so it's like i like if you look at my portfolio i have very little beauty right mm -hmm. so it's like i it's not about it's like oh i don't want to do it i don't get it i feel like it's a really big cop out that i feel like um, male creatives are doing right now well i don't really get it it's like right. no that's your job yeah. like quite frankly you're getting paid it's not about um who like me being a woman, it's like, yeah, I might be a woman, but I might not be know anything about cosmetics. I might just right. be au naturel or something. I'm not. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're getting paid to do a job, I don't care. Yeah. Honestly, quite frankly, I feel like we need to challenge our men to um, to do the female campaign because they might find a different insight that a woman would or maybe get two teams, one male, one female and see where they both get to. It's important to get both perspectives and not just women talking to women. I don't see why men couldn't understand a woman's perspective. Mm -hmm. I think it's intertwined and also it's your job, yeah. right? You have to understand everyone's point of view and not just your own. I think I think that you that's an amazing point that you just made and I think it's very true. I think I think it, you're right. It's too easy to sit back and say, "Well, I don't I can't be that person. So how could I possibly create advertising or communicate to them on a level that would resonate?" And you're right. It is part of the job and you don't get to just you know, take your, you know, fold up your toolbox and walk away. I experienced the same things at agencies, even from a medium perspective. You know, there are some, some people who are like, I, I, I can't write radio. I don't, I, I, I don't, you know, it's like, but that's your job. You that's have job. to do that. Yeah. And if anything, it, it exposes a weakness that you should really kind of try to develop. And I would say, I guess, you know, even if we go back to the point of, um, of 
of people being more contractor or assuming that position, it means that you're going to have to have a deep strength in the conceptual part, which of course we all know comes from, from the insight, from trying to get a nugget of an insight and then you know creatively expressing it. That's gonna be your greatest asset Absolutely. as it relates to being a contractor. Because you are, you are asked to, to wear many different hats as a contractor. Yes. So, um, so that's really interesting. So, um, when you said that um, uh, your mentors took you on, I wanted to ask you this question: What do you think the fundamental thing? Uh, what was the fundamental difference between those two creative directors, the one that you connected with, and the other, the the uh, Jeff that um, took you under his wing? What do you think the fundamental thing was going on there that you flourished under one, and then was you were hitting a logjam with the other? I think I know exactly what it is because um, when I'm, that's what I'm kind of hoping that creatives under me will do. It's, it's giving the space to make mistakes. Mm. That's the only way you actually learn. If you're getting everything's right, everything right, then it's like you're not learning. That's something you already know. Um, and what Jeff and Mark allowed us to do was, you know, they gave us the time, first of all, and the space. And, you know, they would kind of not even say this is wrong. It's just that it's like, have you thought about, about it like this? Like, take a look back at the brief. This is kind of off brief, you know. They're always giving us reasons and strategies rather than sort of saying this is bad. It's just more of like giving us the space to fail. And failure is, I believe, everyone's best friend. That's how we learn, that's how we get better. And even getting fired was like, I think the most important thing a creative needs to go through. So you understand that it's like, you know, where your lines are and all this kind of thing. So like for Jeff and Mark, it was just that. And that's what I'm hoping to do for um, my, any creatives that come from under me. Like I'm just an associate creative director now, but you know, eventually, who knows, maybe I'll be a CCO and I just wanna give people the time, however, there's no more time. Like nowadays, not only are the budgets small and the timelines are shorter because the budget's small. So if you're gonna, if the budget's small, obviously the hours that needed to create that project need to be shrunken down. And that's why I believe some of the things end up going to more senior creatives because they can crack it faster. Yeah. While juniors are not given, they're kind of just, you know, juniors are being pitted against senior teams. That's yeah. not fair those senior teams should be taking those junior teams and working together so the junior teams are learning and then that way you can both move forward and the juniors feel like they learned something i mean i brought this up with other guests and um, um i don't even know if it's a theory that is um i think i was challenged at one point by someone who who said that they didn't necessarily believe it to be true from my perspective and I haven't been in the agency side for a while, but my perspective has been that, you know, the middle has been blown out of creative departments. You mm -hmm. have juniors coming in, mm -hmm. and then you have the very senior guys who are putting out fires constantly, like mm -hmm. you are, and and the middle is gone. And what the what the middle served to do was to bring the bottom up, mm -hmm. and that took time. And mm -hmm. that's something, as you've mentioned, is is. Is, um, is getting shorter and shorter yes. and shorter. And so a byproduct of that is, um, I think, is that maybe there's young creatives who, who aren't getting the time uh, to develop the skill set of uh, being highly conceptual, strategic mm -hmm. in their ideas. And then what, what is going to happen in the future? Are you going to have this sort of, this you know, wealth of, um, of young creatives who are missing this. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that I think compounds this is technology because we can now create things that are almost fully realized. And in doing so, 
we get we focus entirely on execution and we're not really as focused on on strategy would you agree with that or would you agree with the theory that the middle has been blown out and then we have this this sort of phenomenon happening where you're not getting to see mentorships in agencies i think it's that one i think yeah. the middle is being blown out and it really is you know completely on the juniors hands because there are the intermediates the middles right where they're you know, they don't have that many years of experience, but they've got something really good going, they're mm -hmm. getting it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of just left on them to the way that, you know, the next job they take, they'll probably take that leap or what have you, but it might be too soon, right? Mm -hmm. So I do agree with you, but in terms of technology, what's funny is the young people are so in tune with technology, yeah. but they don't have the strategy. So, you know, you have the older generations that are really good with strategy, don't know much about tech, it's silly how little mm -hmm. they know about tech. And then there's young people who know all about it, but with no strategy. Like, I think it's really weird that we are not taking the steps to bridge those two worlds because it's all in our own best interest for these young people who, and I think this is what's really strange is like a lot of people will brush off juniors. What you're not remembering is that you're gonna get pushed out of the business and who's gonna be your boss? It might be this junior. So why right. don't you take the time and teach them how to think correctly so then that way when they're your boss, they're the boss you wanna work for. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we need to be mentoring our juniors. It's like when they're our boss and you know we're all gonna get pushed out. It's ha that's just the name of the game. Right. I had a plan B in university, right. you know what I mean? So make sure that whoever you're teaching that they are strategic and then they can push the world of advertising forward yeah i mean and i think you know uh, probably a good um point in the podcast to ask you what uh, your advice would be for young creatives but maybe within your answer you you could address this too which is if i'm a young creative and i'm hearing this and I don't have, no one's exercising that muscle or showing me that um, I need to resist the urge to execute. I need to start with strategy, mm -hmm. get a good foundation on that, and then start to creatively express it. Because we all know how the freedom of that, if mm -hmm. that the bedrock of it is the idea uh, and it's strategically sound, that there's any number of ways that you can mm -hmm. execute it so that you don't get married to a specific creative execution. You can always come back home and mm -hmm. kind of go, it's still on this bedrock. We can do this in a number of ways. So what are those, what are those young creatives to do and how do they, how do they learn that? It, it takes, like I said, just I think a lot of failure um, to sort of realize what you did wrong. Uh, but if you can find somebody like a Jeff where you can at least they'll always give you the the they'll always give you a little bit of time just to kind of go through it and and you know sometimes you might still might not get it but kind mm -hmm. of do that for me the biggest thing was go back to the brief always go back to the brief the all the answers are there they're just properly written incorrectly right. or whatever <laughs> but you got to dig yeah. and you know if you know if the whatever that one true thing is that you want to sell if that if that's the truth then what else could it mean right so but um, a lot of times, you know, some of the strategies that I help with some of my, the junior people that I know even from my previous agencies, I still talk to them, they ask me questions. If your creative director or somebody senior doesn't have time, then create a strategy. Then sort of say, okay, this is the brief. It could go five different ways that I can figure out. There mm -hmm. may be more, but this is what you can do. Just play with your strengths. And then from then on, 
you just go, okay, so does this have any merit? Do you even like this one? Do I want to present this one? Is this one stupid? Get rid of the stupid one. Stop wasting the, uh, the senior or creative director person's time. Mm -hmm. Go in with the ones that you're unsure about and sort of say, okay, so this one's like probably the client will buy, but this one is pushing them a little bit out there. Here are both. What do you think? And have like yes, no answers really quickly rather than having them figure it out for you because they're not going to be able to do that, especially in a quick 10-minute meeting. Sure. So develop strategies. Find the person who you really care about their opinion, right? You see that they're intelligent and whatever, and then go in with a strategy of like, okay, I don't know what this person likes. Who knows? You know, you can't read people's minds. Mm -hmm. But then be like, okay, there's this territory, this territory, this territory. Have a rationale of why you, why they're there, and then go and sort of say, what do you think of this, right? Yeah. And this is why I like them. What do you think? Yeah. Right. Like, have some strategies and fight for yourself. Don't just be like, well, I don't know. That's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a part of that too is, is keeping creative directors honest too. Like if you're mm -hmm. a, a, don't, don't accept, well, I just don't like it cause, oh, I hate that so much. I, and it, it is the worst. I mean, I, I reserve that. Uh, I mean, I, in my experience, it's like, I, I have to forgive a client for that. Like if I get feedback from a client that's, then they say, I'm just not feeling it, which of course, as you've said, what am I supposed to, what am I to do with mm -hmm. that? Right. As, as someone who's got to go back to the well and then create something that somehow you do subjectively, mm -hmm. um, like is that to demand that of creative directors too. If you yes. go into the office and you get blown up and your ideas get blown up, you should reemerge from that office knowing full well why. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And demanding that of your creative directors is probably a good place for, for young people to start is to, is to not say, and you just mentioned it too, which is, it's, uh, it's tough because we all know what our bosses like and what they dislike because we're human. We can see what seems to get through the office. We can see what gets produced. Everyone has a style. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think being a, like, for instance, being a method, being a method writer or knowing how to adopt a certain style that someone else is and being able, that's a skill in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that game is played where it's like, and you, and you really know you're dead when you sit there in your office with your partner and you go, you know, that person's never going to buy it. You know, right. it won't even get through this agency because that's not the stuff, the kind of stuff that we do here. So that's, a, yeah. that's probably a whole other level. Yeah. That's more for the intermediate and senior teams who are playing that game. Yeah. You would, you would wit, I mean, I, I was going to suggest too that I think you know that you're doing well in your understanding of strategy when you create a new one. Mm -hmm. And we know that through the creative process, sometimes that happens where mm -hmm. you'll have your ideas that were on brief and then you'll have this other one out here that has a ton of merit. It's mm -hmm. not on strategy. It actually represents a new strategy. Mm -hmm. And then I've been at, at agencies where they've gone, whether they've looked at it and they said, that's actually a better strategy, mm -hmm. right? Now what? <laughs> you know? Well, that's when you fall back on the account teams. I'm a huge supporter of a good account people. When I find them, man, I will cling on to them yeah. for dear life because really good account people you know, I've been in situations where, you know, a script's been over and we're at the, look, we're in a different country about to shoot it and the script's mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. And a good account person will then be like, okay, clearly this is better or clearly this has to change. And they know the ways to get in with that client because just the way we know our creative directors, our account people are supposed to know our clients and know 
how to preemptively set it up or at least like put some, you know, like an earworm or, you know, incept something in them early. So then that way it's not coming as a shock. Never shock anybody in terms of like, oh, I didn't expect this. You, you know, if you're going in with a date with somebody and somebody catfishes you, <laughs> right. it's not fun. Same mm -hmm. thing with ideas. Always set the client up for expectations or at least give them what they thought that they wanted. And if there's something clearly better, then you have to be able to, you have to show it to them. It's your responsibility. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think when you're young too, when you come into departments, there is this um, combative feeling between accounts, uh, account service and creative. Uh, I always looked at it like that was never a good thing. Like the best thing you could probably do in your career is if you do find a good account person is to be be close to them yes. because they are going to be the ones who are, uh, help get your work through. Yes. And you can really depend on that person. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of creatives feel like, you know, account people will jump to the other side of the table where all of a sudden they're representing the, the, um, the concerns of the client in such a way that you almost feel like you're dealing with a client. Mm -hmm. And I know that can be tough, but um, that's definitely what would have been, you know, one of my pieces of advice is for uh, a piece of advice for young creatives is, is if you find a good account person, be really good friends with them. <laughs> and they strategy. Can save you. you need yeah. all of these pieces, man. Like it's not just you. I think with the creatives, what I find is they're stuck in their own little bubble as well. They mm -hmm. only know other little creatives as them and like, are they all cool or whatever? That's not important. What's important is you need, you need an entire army right? To get your one idea done, right? It's getting right. harder and harder. Competition is getting harder and harder. You saying that I'm better than X person or whatever, it's like, that's not helpful. Yeah. Okay. We need to make sure that we get good people on the team, um, to get all the facets done. Now that's not to say that there are no bad people, but we need to be able to also have the courage to hear some really bad things about ourselves constructively to get better. Right? So is there, if this, if this account person is bad, what can we do to get better? Or if they just don't get it, give them a chance. If they get it, then you got to get someone who will. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, while we're talking about this, I was going to say, I mean, I think there's a feeling that younger people are are a little bit more fragile than they've ever been, um, and that if you criticize their work, they really take it personally. I talked to a creative director who said, I, you know, he, he's been in meetings where he's criticized um, some work that was done, and it took him two days to get the person back into the office because they were so bent out of shape about it. I know that being constructive in terms of your criticism, you have a very tough cookie kind of mentality, I think, right? Yeah. Which, is, which is don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to defend your work, you're defending it. That means it's going to be contentious. It could be a fight. Mm -hmm. um, but that not to be so crushed when someone, when you think something, when you fall in love with your work and you think that, that everyone's going to love it and it turns out maybe nobody does. Well, I suffered greatly when I was a junior because I, I cried once in advertising, once. There's and no crying in advertising. No, right. I came up with a full campaign. It was about to launch and then the client and someone else pulled the plug last mm -hmm. minute. Mm -hmm. And I spent six months doing it. Six months of your life, nothing to show for it. Right. And it was more out of frustration. I was just like, and then I promised myself after that that I would never put that much um, heart and soul into something. Quite frankly, it's not a piece of art. It's communication and someone's paying for it. Right. Check yourself, right? It's more it's about checking yourself. So in terms of um, never, like, don't get married to ads. It's not, that's not a good relationship. Right. You know what I mean? Get married to something that matters, right? Um, but in terms of creative directors, a way to deliver feedback, I suffer from this still. The, my delivery apparently is really harsh sometimes and abrupt, where I don't mean it like that at all. Um, I 
I treat children with, you know, like I give them a lot of patience and whatever. As adults, it's like, yeah, you're an adult. I don't need to treat you like a child, mm -hmm. you know, but obviously everyone is different and you kind of, it takes some time to figure out what a junior creative can handle and what they can't, right? right. And you're being tested every day because our jobs are getting, like, like I said, the timelines are shorter and like the asks are crazier, you know? So you're constantly being tested. Um, but what I would say is like, you know, have a support system. So if sometimes, you know, there have been times where, you know, I was in a bad agency situation and there's no one there you can trust. So have a support system. There's other creatives in the field that might be going through the same thing you are. And maybe, I mean, don't just sit there and you can, you can definitely vent, but don't just sit there and vent. Like figure out a strategy of how you can keep going because the world is tough. You can't just be, you can't be a crumbling flower. But at the same time, people that are in senior roles have to understand that People have people are going through things, and I'm still, you know, I have mm -hmm. to. I'm going through this myself. Like, remember that this is a human being. Like, give them a chance. And if they're young, they don't know anything. Help them understand first before you start coming down on them hard. Sure. Right. So you can't blame somebody for what they don't know. They don't know it yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we're back to the parenthood thing, where yeah. you need a little bit. You need you need tough love sometimes, but you also it's your responsibility to actually show them that. You shouldn't take it personally. Are you trying to tell me to have a child? Yeah, yeah. No, I would never do anything like that. I mean, I have three and I wouldn't recommend it. Oh. But um, um, yeah, talk about being a tough cookie. But um, but yeah, so um, so what are you doing right now that you're excited about? Um, you did mention that maybe one day in the future you might be, a, um, you know, have designs on being chief creative officer. Um, do you see yourself sticking here? Do you, you know... How do you see the rest of your career unfolding? I am excited to not know. Um, mm -hmm. I Listen, advertising as you know it might change completely. And you have to be more flexible in sort of seeing where it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I feel like somebody in advertising who wants to just stay in advertising as the way that it used to be. I don't think this is your business mm -hmm. um, anymore. If you no longer, if you can't cope with the changes, then maybe you need to figure out a different thing. But you have to be flexible now because the way we're creating content, everything has to um, has to always be changing. Now, is that in Canada? Is that in the U.S.? Who knows what the U.S. is going to look like, right? Like mm -hmm. our jobs are completely connected to actual economic growth and everything. If a business loses, then advertising is the first thing to get cut. So. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm open to everything and anything and everything, but our, our CCOs are even going to be around 10 years from now. Well, it's a, it's a great point. And, um, and when you look at how media has fragmented over the last, uh, decade or more, mm -hmm. it, 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 I mean, it, we could be dangerously close to, to even, uh, you know, to, to the point where what is a commercial and, mm -hmm. and what is a billboard and. You know, dare I say it, what's a tray liner or a shelf talker, <laughs> you know, talk. uh, yeah, I'll yeah. be dragged out of here and kind of go, what the hell is a shelf talker? But, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, and it, what's interesting, uh, um, you know, as an added point on, on, on this subject is, you know, we've, uh, we've already talked about how we have a culture, an award show kind of culture. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, award shows are there to make money too. And they continually add more and more categories mm -hmm. because as media fragments, they got to, you know, yes. there's more opportunities, of course. But even understanding, you know, I, I don't want to sound like, you know, I don't want to sound old. But when you're a junior, sometimes looking at the award show books is a way to get excited about mm -hmm. creativity. 
Well, now, I feel like because everybody, uh, those traditional medias, um, maybe we're a little bit better at telegraphing uh, the simplicity of an idea. Like if you could have a billboard that was highly creative, you could just, you can look at it and you can understand it immediately. Then we have longer format mediums, even like the one that we're on right now, where we have like hour, two hour conversations that people are consuming um, as content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we, get, we get away from that a little bit. Like I, what I've noticed over the last uh, number of years is that I actually have to read the write-up of the creative to fully understand it. It's not self-evident when I just look at it. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's just the nature of, of, of media. But uh, let me ask you something. When yeah. you're looking at that thing that you don't fully understand, do you think it's targeted towards you? Um, I, I don't I don't know, like uh, from a product or service, I think th through the weeds, I could look at it and go, it's not for me or it is it is mm -hmm. it is for me. Um, I don't know. I would say even, I know I'm revealing myself. I, I, the big joke that I make with Josh is that I have a Rogers email account, which is embarrassing. You <laughs> oh, know, is it Kojiko or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonder I, I'm not dragged out of this studio and, and stoned in a public uh, square. Mm. But, um, <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, as it relates to um, you know, consuming something that's directed at me, I feel like over the last year, I've almost finally got YouTube. Like, I, I think mm -hmm. that it's interesting that you can have something so niche mm -hmm. that, and you can now, because of the global nature of it, you can have, um, you can have an audience of hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of weird people who like to collect stamps and want to see, see someone on YouTube, yeah. YouTube talk about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it really has you know, changed my, my mind about, I, I guess the one thing that we can cling to is that a good idea is a good idea no matter mm -hmm. what. Absolutely. And if you're good at being, coming up with good ideas, then you shouldn't be pushed out no. so soon. You'll always, well, I don't, personally, if you have really good ideas um, that are insightful and connect with people and you're empathetic, really, if you have good ideas and you're empathetic, you'll be successful. Mm -hmm. There's just no way around it. Like people are still going to exist and people are still going to need things. It's just the way that we do it might change, but you're always, you're never going to get pushed out if you come into it with an open mind mm -hmm. and say, it's like, okay, well, what am I, what are, what's on the plate today? Like, okay, I'm going to come up with an idea. What is the execution? Like, what are the deliverables, right? So just be open to the deliverables rather than being like, oh, I've never done that. I can't do that. I give it to someone else. It's like, no, sit down and figure it out stupider people than you have done it right surely you can do it you know what i mean yeah. like i think it's more of yeah. like the defeatist like i just don't know that i'm scared it's like what are you scared of really like just sit down like give an hour to it fully dedicated you'll figure it out like right. i truly believe in people i know you can do it and if i'm hard on somebody it's because i know you can do it like you're just you're in your own head and i think what i'm finding especially like i don't know if, the, if you guys heard what happened with the leas and stuff but there's a lot of things it's like people older people saying it's like oh the new next generation and whatever it's like dude just give the next generation a chance mm -hmm. you're literally pushing yourself away from them why are you doing that right. you're gonna need them they're gonna need you probably for something it's makes no sense to have this divide and if you don't understand something then make it your point to figure it out if you don't understand the next generation then sit down with them and see what's important to them mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's actually our job and everyone seems to be clinging on to the past or excuse me clinging on to the past or looking towards the future it's like the only thing you have is right now mm -hmm. so do a good job now and whatever happens just be flexible
So um, maybe we could wrap up with um, with maybe some your best advice for someone who wanted to um, uh, take on a career like you have in this business. What do you think some of the key advice would be for them? Um, I think you need to figure out um, your threshold for pain because um, advertising is it can be really tough. If you get in in the right place and you know you can get lucky and get a really good brief or whatever, you can get successful quickly or whatever, but oftentimes people struggle. So you need to figure out how, what is your threshold. Like, um, if you don't like to work long hours, right? Know that about yourself. It doesn't mean that you're bad at the job or not. It's just that, like that's, you don't like to work long hours and maybe being in advertising is not for you, right? Um, if you like to be your own boss, Advertising is not for you because we're all answering to somebody. Even a CCO has a, you know, a global CCO or even that global CCO has somebody. Everyone has a boss. You can't just be doing it on your own. It's, if you're not a team player, it's not for you. So just know yourself and sort of figure out what is it you really want to do. Because a lot of people that, like my friends that are around 20, 22, um, they still don't know 100% what they want to do. They're just keeping themselves open. Just kind of like go into it and try it. If you fail, you're not a failure. You just, maybe this isn't for you. So um, for me, it's just more about if I'm going to, you know, just um, let them know, honestly, you know, it can be long hours. It can be hot-headed people. It could be a lot of egos, but it could also be really rewarding, right? You can move up really quickly and get a lot of money quickly if you're just, you know, if you're, open and you're insightful and you do good work, you can also be really, really rewarding. Um, but make no mistake, it's hard work. And uh, you have to wear a lot of hats. Um, the more you know, you know, if you've traveled a lot, the more, if, you know, if you're artistic or whatever, all of those things are what people are looking for. It's not enough anymore to just be an art director or designer. You know, art directors are also directors now. Art directors are also illustrators now. You need to have many different things because you have to wear many different hats. The budgets are smaller, so you, I like, I know that I did props, art direction, makeup, everything all at once for a project because you just have to do it. There's no more money. You have to know how to do everything. And if it's if you don't like to be busy then find something else. But if you do like to be busy, man, find your people, find the people that think just like you, um, and then just like go forth, right? Because like you don't know, like you might start your own agency with your friends, you know, like anything can happen. It's kind of an amazing industry in that advertising um, can take you to so many different places. You can start here and you can go anywhere you want. So I still think it's a good, viable industry. Um, but if you want to literally be like a, a lifer in it, there's no pension. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, thanks so, so much for being on the show. You know, sharing your insights and your unique perspective from, from uh, coming from Bosnia, becoming <laughs> an art director, working as a female in this business. Um, it's been great having you on. And thanks, thanks again so much. Thanks for having me. This episode has been brought to you by the National Advertising Challenge, North America's only brief-based challenge that sends winners to Cannes, France.